0: welcome in to think deeper presented by focus press this is joe wilkie joined as always by my brother jack wilkie great friend will harib we have a fantastic episode today but before we get into that i wanted to once again throw out what i had mentioned last week about our men's group I'm very excited about this. We're looking to start midweek of February. We've already got a couple that have reached out, two more uh, privately have reached out to me, two to Jack. Uh, We have a couple spots left, but we wanted to make sure that um, everyone is aware, hey, this is is closing fast. We want to have total numbers in by the end of January. We're gonna film a quick intro video so everybody kind of is on the same page going into it. Uh, but we want that information hopefully by the end of January. So if you can, if you're still interested, if that's something that you want, there are a couple spots available, uh, and we would love to to fill that. Will, I also think you were going to introduce us on something.
1: Yeah, so in conjunction with the episode that we're going to be doing today, so we're going to be talking about uh, basically questioning dating and, and kind of getting into the whole dating versus courtship um, topic. And so in conjunction with that, Uh, My dad, Brad Harib, wrote a book along with Rob Whitaker called Engage uh, that is for sale at Focus Press. So if you get through listening to this episode, we're going to kind of go into uh, why to question dating, kind of what are the alternatives, you know, what we've seen, our experiences, and kind of where we've gone from there. If you listen to this episode and you have more questions and you want to find out more other resources, I highly recommend that book, but um, uh, we're going to put it on sale for this episode. So... Uh, The book's just called Engage, if you go look that up, but with that being said, guys, let's go ahead and get into this this episode, this idea, this topic of dating and courtship. Um, All three of us uh, were raised to kind of question the dating practice, kind of the standard traditional, you know, start dating, having boyfriends and girlfriends at at 15, 16, and kind of the first area that we want to get into is, is why we think that we need to question that. Um, but just to kind of give a broad overview of where, of where we want to go with this episode, we're going to address, first of all, why should we question dating? Why should we question the standard practices? But then also get into, okay, what's the alternative? What are, what are the alternative options to that? Because we know that a lot of our listeners are probably at the age where they either have kids or maybe they have grandkids who are at this stage in their life where they need to be figuring out. What are they going to do with relationships? How are they going to find their spouse? And so these are important questions. This is not just some you know niche specialty area. Everybody that's a parent needs to kind of have a plan of how are you going to help your kids find a spouse and, and not just find a spouse, but choose the right spouse. How are you going to make sure that they, that they choose a spouse that's going to help them get to heaven? And as we're going to get into to start this episode, the standard practice these days, just dating, is not the answer. I, I think we're all going to confidently say that you know, starting out 15, 16, how get your boyfriend girlfriend through high school and just kind of go do your own thing and away from parents and all that kind of thing, we're questioning that. We don't think that's a good thing. So that's where we're going to start. We're going to get into the alternatives. We're going to talk about this term courtship. What on earth does that mean? Isn't that a term from the 1800s? We're going to talk about all that. But guys, I'll open it up. Why are we questioning dating? And, and maybe this is something that we can phrase the question of why, because again, all three of us were raised to question dating. It was something our parents kind of communicated to us. You know, we weren't allowed to do it. And so having grown up in, that, in those environments, why should we and why should Christian parents go into this modern practice of dating with a quizzical look?
2: It's something that has evolved so much over the years. I think some of the original return to courtship kind of impetus came from things that just gotten off the rails, out of control, 80s, 90s of, of what dating had become. Uh, obviously sexuality, fornication, you know, with, with the rise of birth control and all that, I mean, things changed drastically, morality and society and all those things led to greater and greater freedom to do whatever people wanted, and it got to the point, and you can kind of see this encapsulated in the sitcoms, you know, the the TV shows, that by the 90s you've got, you know, Jerry Seinfeld has a new girlfriend every week, and, you know, friends, and, and whatever the shows were at the time, you know, Frasier, uh, uh, Cheers, I mean, just people exchanging uh, love interests all the time. And that kind of mirrored what was happening of of kind of, well, you date 20 people, uh, you know, and then you finally settle down and get married. And so some of this movement back was to say, uh, that's not a great idea. That is, uh, that should be something we question. Is that really something God wants us to do to just kind of play at this, to not take it very seriously, to, uh, you know, use as many people as possible to get whatever enjoyment out of life you want before you want to settle down and get married. What, what really is the purpose of all of this? And I think uh, that is the question that has to be asked when you you approach this whole topic of courtship, dating, finding a partner, finding a spouse, partner's the wrong word, finding a, um, uh, oh, a girlfriend or a boyfriend, whatever the case uh, may be, and I think we're at a time now where things are a lot different. It's not what it was in the 80s and 90s. I mean, there are some places where that, you know, at 12 years old, everyone's, you know, you've got your middle school boyfriend, middle school girlfriend, and they, you know, swap those out all through high school. Yeah, that still happens. That's bad. That that That's such a bad idea, and we're going to get into why. Other places, it's really strained. You know, in the dating app thing, I mean, there's, there's the tenders of the world, but there's, you know, the... Um, E harmony and, and there's even a Church of Christ singles, shout out uh, the Fosters uh, you know a lot of people met that way. We're in this weird time where it's like well how do I find a spouse, what should I do what what should my approach be and I, I'm really glad that this discussion has come about in the last few decades because it does ask the question from the mindset of Christianity what as a Christian should I do rather than just doing whatever. What does God I, want to
0: say Yeah, versus right. what
2: is everyone around me doing?
0: What well,
2: and, and for the
0: Foster's reference, they both met on there, but Jim also created it for those that are just wondering who the Foster's are that he shouted out. Um, good friends of ours, and, and yeah, he created a website just to find his wife, which is, my goodness, that's a baller move right there, um, to, to create your own Church of Christ singles website. But anyway, I it's interesting that courtship, to me, seemed maybe late 90s and then early into the 2000s, was especially in the homeschool movement, was really like gaining traction. and you had the Doug Phillips and you had some of those in the in the homeschooling world that were huge, the Botkins and such. Um, pushing courtship. And we don't hear a lot about courtship these days. But as you're referencing Jack and, and Will, where we are is just bananas, man. I mean the the as you mentioned with the apps and everything else, finding people to me seems harder today than it ever has been. And for young kids to enter into this world, they're pushed into these relationships at such young ages, it's like you're not anywhere close to being emotionally prepared. And so I wanted to let that, as we're thinking about it, and as we say dating versus courtship. Courtship, we will define here in a little bit as we get to that part of the outline, but courtship is kind of seen as the alternative to dating, but we do believe that there are problems with both. For those that are familiar with both, let's get into the problems with dating. My my main issue and we've said this for a long time, I think it's practice for divorce because to your point, Jack, when they're in seventh grade and they're getting with, you know, they're, they're dating one girl and then six weeks later, oh, we broke up. Yeah, I'm, I'm with a new girl. And, you know, what with a new girl means is they're going to the movie theaters and occasionally they may start kissing, whatever else. Unfortunately, kids these days are getting very sexually active at a young age. But what it does is it teaches you to become callous and to not give your full heart because you, 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 You continue the breakup scene where you're with one and and you're with another and you're with another that by the time you get married, well, well, I mean, man, by the time you hit high school, you've been with five, six, seven different girlfriends and you just grow callous to the idea of what a relationship actually means and breaking up, which obviously would be divorce, by the time marriage comes around becomes all too easy for you, all too common. And it's, it's the emotional attachment that you have created with these girls just goes by the wayside. You learn how to guard yourself against strong attachments and the breaking up for the grass is always greener, the other girl, the the new hot girl, whatever it is, all of a sudden, well, I want that one. Then we get into marriage and we do the same thing and we wonder why.
1: That's the other thing I was gonna say is to that point, it it fosters an attitude of discontentment. It fosters an attitude of- of, Bingo. Let me look around and see if there are any better options because, I mean, to lay it out there, in dating, you're, you're allowed to do that, right? You're not committed to the person. And so you can still kind of have a maybe a bit of a wandering eye. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy with the person that I'm with. But, man, if somebody better comes along, no question. I'm going to dump this one and get with the next one. Obviously, biblically speaking, you can't do that in marriage. You're committed to life or committed for life. And so the problem is especially and because it's not just young people that can have that mindset. You can have 20-year-olds, late 20-year-olds uh, year that can have that mindset of let me date to just kind of have fun and, and see if anything better comes along. But it's it's creating an, an, an attitude of discontentment of let, let me see – What's the best option that can come along for me? And that's the other problem that I'll get into before turning back over to Jack. It, it it feeds selfishness. It's all about you know what is, what is in it for me, what makes me happy, and that's not to say that maybe other dating alternatives are perfect at this, but dating especially, because again, it's all centered around what makes me happy? How do I feel when I'm with this person? What, what's gonna bring me the most enjoyment? And obviously, kind of feeding selfishness can start for a young person at a very young age, But if you start dating at 15, 16 with that concept in mind of it's all about me, let me me just feed my selfishness and the things that I want to do, man, what's that going to look like in 10 years when they get married? That's going to set them up for a very dangerous marriage where all they're looking for is how to please themselves and how to get enjoyment out of life and it's all about them. That's another enormous problem with this dating culture of what's in it for me. You know, how can I get enjoyment out of this? Jack, do you have any other to I'm, add? Just,
2: I'm glad you went there because that's a lot of Christians lament the view of marriage. You know, the, we know it's wrong to look at marriage as, you know, I marry this person because they make me happy. This is about my happiness, and then if it doesn't make me happy anymore, I'm going to quit on it. Like, yeah, you, you're right to lament that. Now you need to know why we have that, how that gets, you know, started in people way, way before they're ready for marriage is that mindset of just no commitment, no, and there shouldn't be, that that's, I think one of the other sides of this is you shouldn't be committing to somebody at 14 years old. And I mean, like sometimes they try and do that, like the promise rings or, you know, like whatever it is, you know, people, oh, we're going to get married someday. No, you're not. You're 14 years old. I mean, every now and then they do good for you people. Um, but so you've got something that is the kind of relationship that should, you know, be teaching you about commitment to the opposite sex. That this is not something to play around with, mess with somebody's emotions. That's not fair to them. But there is no commitment because there can't be at that point. And so, you know, there's the the verse in First Timothy. Uh, I want to say First Timothy five, uh, verse two, where you know Paul's telling Timothy how to deal with all the members of the church and the older men, the older women, you know, but he said the younger women as sisters in all purity. They're not your practice wife. They're not your play wife. They're not your play husband. You know, your brother and sister at that point, especially, you know, within the church, because that's another side of this is how many youth groups get destroyed by the drama of, you know, this boy and this girl, you know. Who's with them. Yeah, like, oh, they broke up and now these people are and so these girls aren't talking. I mean, like... That's not how it was meant to be.
1: Well, the other thing, too, is because we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up how it just swings the door wide open for sexual temptation because you're placing 16-, 17-year-olds in all these kind of positions where they're alone, driving together, going places by themselves. Anybody with a brain can tell you that's a bad idea. But it's not just them being alone together. It's that at least the modern dating practice pretty much removes all parental involvement, That's the other thing about this, is that it trains young people, 15, 16, and we're obviously focusing more on the younger in here, but it trains these teenagers that, look, my parents don't get any say in who I end up with, and they they don't have any involvement, or, or they don't contribute in any fashion to this, when in reality... I mean, me as a parent, I've got a one-year-old. I plan to be very involved in in at least contributing to the discussion of, hey, who are you interested in? Who are you looking at in marriage? And the current dating practice pushes that aside and says, no, you get to decide. Push your parents away. They're they're these old fuddy duddies that don't get to tell you anything. And so it, it just really sets up this unhealthy relationship as well between the kid and the parent Where the parent should be kind of guiding, not dictating who they marry. We're not advocates for prearranged marriages here, but guiding them and saying, and, and helping them along. And this is what you should look for. This is and obviously setting boundaries as well, but again, guiding them, dating removes the guidance uh, from the parent to the kids.
0: And the whole, you know, it's so cute. It's so cute that they're, he's got his little girlfriend. You know, the average age for kids to get into porn these days, 11. Stop acting like your kids have no sex drive at all at 13, 14, 15 years old. As a matter of fact, they're hitting peak levels at that point, putting them in these compromising situations where they're going to the movies. Parents need to take a step back and think about what they were like when they were that age. Yeah. Occasionally you have the parent who was, who was perfect, who, you know, they, they followed the line. Oh, we never got into trouble. Hey, but let's be honest, most of them got into trouble. Most of them did things that they weren't supposed to. And then they throw their kids into this and they go, "Well, you know, oh, it was it's all innocent, it's all fine." Look, kissing someone and going a little too far sexually, even if you haven't even if you're still pure, going too far does have it leaves a mark and it leaves impressions. And I've worked with people who, you know, look back to previous girlfriends or even, you know, to to previous relationships kind of with longing and they go, man, I don't want to, like I'm, I'm happy in mind, but there's parts of that relationship that I really miss. How much of that do you want to put in, or do you want to allow into your kid's mind? So I think, Will, to your point, that parenting part is so important that parents have no role. And it's one of those, you see it on TV, dad, you shouldn't, you know, this is my boyfriend. Like when the dad starts grilling him or asking him questions or whatever else, it's kind of a trope, but it's like, that should happen. And not with the the shotgun out acting like you're all tough you're all talk at that point no take the kid aside and that kind of to me that leads us into courtship but fellas any other any other cons would you say to the dating Well,
2: i don't want to make it strictly about the kids because this is something you know adults that's a good you know, point. college age when they're out of their parents house or or into their 20s and, and again the marriage age is pushing is over 30 i think for males at this point and so this is not a teenage specific thing um but it is something of like stated intentions are so important of how many, you know, people in their 20s and 30s have just kind of used each other because, well, I'm I'm looking for companionship. I'm looking for something. But, you know, we're not going to really set what this is and, and what we're what I'm after, what you're after. And and so I think that gets us to the courtship discussion of what is the purpose of it? And it is very much commitment oriented, um, marriage oriented, purposeful intentional, I guess, is, is one of those words that you would use for this. So, uh, I don't know. How, how do you guys want to describe it? What do, how would you introduce the idea for those that maybe haven't come across it before?
1: I think there's several hallmarks. You might say just traditional elements of what courtship is, um, things that you kind of have to have for it to be called courtship. And the first one we've kind of already talked about is that everything should, and again, this is all, let me preface this, this is all very idealistic. And then I'm going to, that's going to be a little sneak peek here, a preview of one of the things that I personally have a problem with, with courtship is, it's all so idealistic and, and, and just stuff doesn't always work out that way. But again, so as we're defining this, keep in mind, this is idealistic here, but ideally when we're talking about courtship, everything is supposed to go through the father. You have a young lady who a young man shows interest in modern dating practice says, what does the guy do? Well, he goes and he asks the girl out, they go out on dates. It's them too, Right. According to courtship, the young man who's interested in the young lady goes to the young lady's father, and he inquires of him. And, and really the idea is that you are kind of supposed to get to know the father. The father's supposed to get to know the young man really before any emotional attachment takes place between the young man and the young woman, if that makes sense. That's kind of the really the first thing about courtship that's different. But Joe, you have something to add? Yeah, I would say it's taken from 1 Corinthians 7, the idea that the father's kind of the gatekeeper there.
0: To your point, Will, like the the young man is supposed to go to the father and the father is supposed to figure out, are you worthy of, of marrying um, my daughter as as the father gets to know this young man? Is he a hard worker? Is he a good kid? Is he going to be a spiritual provider? Because the dad currently is that for the daughter. He's the physical provider. He's the spiritual provider.
1: Can this young man come in and replace me is kind of the idea. The, the, that- best, the best way that I've heard it put is that in the modern dating practice, girls just kind of give, and, and guys as well give pieces of their heart away to to all their boyfriends and girlfriends and they give their heart away give their heart away and by the time they're married their heart is bandaged put back together and it's not what it was before the idea with courtship to basically just sum up what joe said in kind of an analogy the dad is the protector of the young lady's heart and in order for the young man to get to the young lady's heart he has to go through the gatekeeper of the person who currently holds her heart which should be her father who then, when marriage comes around, can can effectively hand over the protection of that heart to the young man. Does, does that make sense? Well, that, and this, yeah, is, yeah, explains? this
2: is, it's very scripturally rooted because, you know, First Corinthians 7 talks about this, of a father doesn't have to give his daughter's hand away in marriage, I mean this is one of those things that we give lip service to like the dad marches her down the aisle and who gives this woman, you know, I do or her mother and I do. And, and the,
1: the idea that the guy's going to ask the blessing of the dad, yeah. if he says, no, he's just going to do it anyway. Right. That type of thing.
2: Well, yeah. yeah, it's like, how much do we actually like we, we retained that practice, but I mean, there's things where like the, the girl's dad doesn't meet the suitor until after they're engaged or like until they're or, like the day they're going to get engaged. Well, I got to go ask your dad. Like, That's not really it, and it's the idea of headship, of, as her father, I'm accountable for her soul. That's a really big deal. As her husband, I'm passing that off to you. That's also a really big deal, and so if I'm going to give up that right to stand before God and give an answer for her soul, you had better show me you're, you're somebody I can trust with that. And you think of that biblically and it all makes perfect sense. And then you think about, well, we retain that practice because we, on an instinctual level, know it makes perfect sense. And then we just totally throw the thing out the window in practice. And so this is an effort to get back to that, to say, you know what, if you want a girl, if you want to take over responsibility for her soul, you better run that by the guy who has responsibility for it now. The sad thing is, we'll get into this in in a bit with courtship,
0: but the courtship especially as we were growing up was predominantly a homeschool mother thing the homeschool moms listened to that and said man that's fantastic and and I think part of it's what they wish they would have had and part of it's like well we want to take this seriously we want our young men to do it um, but we also want to keep our daughter there and the dads were like yeah you know, that sounds good honey no you can't you can't do that if you are the gatekeeper here the the traditional courtship has to be the father believing in this more than anyone. And where it falls apart is—that's a little bit of a sneak preview as to where we're going to get into it, the problems with this. But where it falls apart is the fact that so many dads are kind of like, "Yeah, whatever." No, that sounds good. No, it can't be. it. That sounds good. It mean it—it's your responsibility to take it seriously. But another hallmark or, or uh, maybe defining characteristic of courtship, I would say, is Jack. You already had said this: is the relationship with the intention of marriage. Because you're right. It's dating isn't just a young kid issue. It's it's going into the 20s, 30s, even 40-year-olds we've known where you're just having fun, you're playing at it and hey, if I really enjoy this person, great, then maybe I'll we'll kind of go from there. That's not all that bad at the same time that can be disastrous because of the emotions that get involved. And so you're just having fun, you're playing with it, you're you have a really good time with this girl, but no, she's not really wife material. And so you string this out, you string her along and and she's boy, she is ready for marriage. She thinks you're going to propose any day and you're basically like, "Nah, no, nah, That's I'm just having fun with her. I, I'm just doing what I'm doing or I have a really good companion but there's no way she's right. marriage material. There's none of that in there's courtship. There's no intention. Yeah. yeah, in courtship, you go with the intention of marriage at the end. Like, I'm not here to play. I'm here to see if you are a fit wife or husband for me and I think that does make a lot of difference. It also puts a lot of pressure on it which is one of the negative parts but I think the
1: as we're talking about what defines traditional courtship, there is the intention of marriage involved. Right. So that would be the first two is, again, everything goes to the father. The second would be what Joe just said. Um, Jack, unless you have anything to add to that, I'm going to jump to the third one, which, uh, again, just another benchmark of of what or another element of what traditional courtship is, which is that you are never put in a situation where you are alone with the person that you are courting, if that makes sense. The guy is never alone with the girl at any time. Uh, Chaperones is a really big word used in courtship because it's the idea— and this is one of those concepts of courtship that to me makes the most sense is that why would you put yourself in a tempting situation where you're alone together, house by yourself, car by yourself for a long period of time, whatever it is, where, again, you're swinging the door wide open for temptation. And so that's the, that's the again, another, another traditional element of courtship is that that's different from dating is that dating, again, the, young, the guy and the girl are doing anything they want to by themselves, going wherever they want to by themselves. Again, they're separated from their parents, separated from their family. What courtship is, is that you are, you have chaperones that go with you to kind of, again, limit the, the sexual temptation. Not, not the sexual temptation. Limit the opportunity. I'll put it that way. To engage in, in sexual activity. And again, it's typically that the family's very involved. Me and Rachel, you know, we didn't necessarily call this courtship what we did. But uh, it had a lot of these elements. And one of those was my siblings rode in the car with us all the time. Uh, out to eat, my siblings went with us. And so, again, you've kind of got the family involved um, as your chaperones, as you're getting to know each other, uh, but that would be the third, I guess, element of courtship. Guys, any comment on that before you get to the fourth one?
2: This is one of those where it's kind of a like, are you going to accept reality or deny reality? Well, you should have the self-control. Well, everybody should, but there's a lot of, you know, I mean, David, a very righteous man of God, didn't have self-control, you know, when the opportunity presented itself. I mean, like, there all kinds of things happen, and especially the closer you get to marriage, there's just that passion, there's that thing, you know, and you can say, well, you guys just shouldn't have that Does I shouldn't, you know, should have more control of yourself. Yeah, you should, and that's why you're giving yourself guardrails. To say, well, I don't want to do this. I don't want to, um, you know, take away my future wife's purity. I don't want to, Um, we just talked about the permission of the father. I don't really want to go behind his back and and, you know, sin against him in this way as I sin against her and, and we start off our relationship on the wrong foot it's not a good thing and so taking on these guardrails I think is a good feature when you say alone I mean it is one of those like oh so you can't ever discuss you know serious topics because little brother little sister's always sitting there no I mean I think all three of us had opportunities created where you know everybody goes to a restaurant and we're allowed to get our own table across the way from everybody but it's where we're not going off in our own car together and disappearing for three hours and everyone's wondering where we are you know it's they know where we are we know where they are you know it's all cool but we get to have a chat or, or things like that and so uh that was my experience at the very least and i i think that's a helpful guardrail
0: and it goes to a lot of old people older i should say uh, as i'm 28 i can't call them old i guess i'm old those in their 20s who well no i'm i have the self-control you know to to be alone that's I can understand it for 16-year-olds. I get why that would be a problem. Maybe even 18, 19, 20-year-olds. But look, I'm 25. Kind of a false confidence or, type of right, thing. Right, exactly. I'm 32. Do I really need a chaperone? Like, uh, yeah, I, probably. I was I, almost
2: it, 27. It's not like that drive just goes away. I mean, like... It's, yeah,
0: exactly. There's a reason for it, and it's not just to have some annoying younger sibling there uh, present at all times. It's to make sure that you're not leading, to your point, uh, Will, that you're not allowing room for the temptation to grow. So, yeah, I think chaperones are important really at any stage, in my opinion. I think that's one of the best hallmarks of courtship. Uh, The last one, the fourth one, is no emotional attachment pre-engagement. And, uh, again, we're about to get into some problems with courtship, some of the problems we have with it where maybe we think it falls uh, apart a little bit. But this is, once again, as we're defining courtship for those that are unfamiliar with it, That's a hallmark of it is you are not supposed to have these deep emotional attachments to these people pre-engagement. So you get with somebody and what's dating within two months, you are sold, you're ready to marry these people and then you break up and then you're sold again, six weeks in and then you break up and you're not supposed to be emotionally involved, but a lot of talk, a lot of logic, a lot of, Hey, does this person check out? Do they believe like I do with, with obviously Christianity and with maybe how many kids we're going to have, the raising of kids or some of the big things because this is another part of why dating falls apart, I think, they wait for all of the big things. So let's just see if we're friends. And yeah, we like the same board games. I'm a big fan of Scattergories too. And you know, they happen to like- uh, They like the same music like I like. They like the same music. Yeah. And they're, yeah, they're a dog person. That's great. Like wonderful. And how's that gonna get you through the doldrums of life? How is that gonna get you through some of the biggest uh, arguments that you have in marriage? What's gonna get you through is you guys have being on the same page spiritually and being on the same page with the things that matter. Because how many relationships, how many couples get into marriage having not really discussed how many kids are we going to have? And the guy goes, "How do you goes, feel about disciplining those yeah. kids? How do you feel about disciplining?" So the guy says, two max, man. No, oh, I'm, you know, I, I don't want that." And the woman goes, "Boy, I thought we were going to have nine kids. Well, there's a problem. Did you talk about that ahead of time?" Dating fosters more of the fun play. Courtship fosters this type of stuff, and it goes along with the no emotional attachment. Of let's keep it very logical let's make sure that we are a good fit before i start giving my heart away to somebody and that's supposed to keep us from from having to your point will as you were saying with the with the heart being broken and torn apart time and time and time again that's supposed to keep that from happening that you if if you aren't aligning on these areas that young man doesn't believe in the holy spirit or something crazy uh yeah that's a big red flag and that's going to break us up
1: because but your heart isn't broken let's say you know the guy shows interest goes to the father and there's a, you know, three, four week father getting to know the, the potential suitor. You know, maybe they come over family dinners, whatever. And the dad and maybe even the young lady quickly figure out this guy is not, this is not going to work. Well, now you're a month in and there hasn't been the emotional attachment. And so you can call it off, be done, move on with your life. There's not hardly any heart damage there, so to speak. The problem is, and I think this is where we're going to transition into what are some of the problems with courtship that's so idealistic. It's the idea that, yeah, you can avoid all emotional attachment, but we might save that one for here in just a second. But guys, each one of us did a version of this, and we're going to get into here at the tail end of this after we kind of go over some of the problems. We're going to get into what we'd recommend. Look, we're not the experts. We don't have it all figured out. There are certain certainly things that we did wrong along the way, but we also can look at it I would hope objectively from here on and say, look, this is what really worked for us. And this is what we're going to plan on doing with our kids. And also this is what didn't work for us. And this is not what we're going to do with our kids. And so we're going to get into that there at the end, but I'm going to go for the, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about the first one. And then we'll get into, I'll get you guys in here. What are some of the problems, um, with courtship as far as it has these really idealistic standards, this really high bar that is just really difficult to live up to. And the first one that I'll talk about is goes with the first hallmark we talked about with courtship and that being everything goes through the father the problem with it is is that so often joe you already alluded to this dads are not really involved um, they're not really plugged into their children's lives as not necessarily lies but as far as their relationship lives again joe talked about this was this is very much a homeschool mom type of push who they, they were really gung-ho about and really wanted to do this with their kids and the dads would you know kind of be along for the ride yeah okay sure sounds good courtship says no the dad has to be the driving force courtship belly up without the dad's involvement there's there's really right. no
0: there's no purpose for courtship if the dad isn't the one not just involved he has to be the driving force behind this it cannot be the wife hey you know putting the putting the courtship book on her husband's nightstand hey uh, read this it's got some this. great stuff yeah, yeah because our daughter is 18 and this young man's coming for her. can you read this real fast and figure out how to do it whoa whoa that's not how this is done because the dad reads and goes, yeah, okay, yeah, they've got some good ideas. All right, son. Um, well, you're coming for my daughter. Make sure that you treated right. All right, see ya. That's not at all how this is to go. The the dad should but be the most studious guy about this entire
1: topic. But unfortunately, the former, what you just described as far as the dad kind of being unplugged and aloof, is the norm. Big Even number. in a lot Thank of Christian households, much. that's not just a, a trope for the world or for society. A lot of Christian households, the dads are kind of content to let the daughters go date whoever they want and... And, you know, the rules and guidelines are kind of optional. And so the problem with courtship is let's say, you, let's say you're listening to this and you've got a, a, a daughter who you really – or you got a son, rather, who you really want to implement this courtship thing with. And he finds a potential uh, girl that he wants to uh, start this process with. His dad or her dad might be totally oblivious to this, might have no idea what's going on here as far as maybe never even heard the term courtship before. So what do you do then? Again, that's the problem. That's the first problem with courtship is that it's so idealistic in the sense that, look, not all dads are going to be plugged in like this, and you have to go into it with those expectations. And to
0: your, to your side of because this I think is your, um, your life, your lived experience, so to speak. The second major problem, well, maybe third, I guess. The first is it's very idealistic, as you mentioned. It theoretically, and to your point, Jack, uh, you know, when you're talking about how everybody is. Um, supposed to remain pure and yet yeah, idealistically uh, or ideally that should be the case but look we don't all have that self-control courtship is built on them the second being the dad's not involved and to your lived experience will what happened with you and rachel i think it can be very impractical for families that are ignorant about it you knew a lot about courtship obviously your dad being very involved in preaching this for a number of years um we grew up and my mom was a huge courtship advocate for most of my life so we've known it we've grown up in that your wife did not. Rachel did not right, know anything right. about it. And so how did that affect your relationship? Was it a practical? It seems like it was very impractical for you guys because her dad, Bob, great guy, but it seemed like he had no concept
1: of this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, not to, I've got a great father and all. He's awesome. I don't think he listens to the podcast, but in case he does, he's great. Love him to death. Come on, Bob. We, we need you. Yeah. We need but you. it's one of those things that, you know, they, they were not they they dated. That, that's what that's what their family did, and so it, it was one of those things. Like with him, it was great. I came to him with this mindset, and he was very open to it. And hopefully, all dads are going to be like that. But again, it didn't function like a traditional courtship because if it had. He would have been the driving force. He would have been the one really pushing all this stuff. And he simply wasn't. And so you have to, again, it worked for us. We still, my family pushed it very hard. And again, we kind of, I kind of filled him and, and Rachel, who, who wasn't super fond of this idea at first, but kind of had to grow into it a bit, uh, kind of get used to it. But that, that's the point we're getting at here is that not, there's not a lot of families that have bought into this. And so you're going to have to adapt the, I guess, really structure of it. It's not that, that you throw the guidelines and things out the window but you're going to have to adapt. Well, and the reason this is separate from the dads, and Jack, sorry, we'll bring you in in a
0: second, is me and Will are going back and forth. But the reason this is uh, different than just the point on the dads not being involved is specifically, as you just said, with Rachel. It was very difficult for her to align herself with this because— and this is It was why so foreign incredible. to her. It was yeah. very foreign. She was ignorant about this. And to bring somebody else in—and my sister had somebody that that was was coming for her—just uh, a date, really. And we're like, hey, that's not really what we do. And my dad talked to them. And he was basically like, uh, I'm out. That, that, no, uh, that's not what I want. I would just wanted to take her out to dinner. Well, we don't do that. Um, it was very impractical because to get somebody who doesn't buy in fully and to have them go, Rachel was great. Imagine if it was reversed, though, and Rachel was the one that was in the courtship, and you as the guy had no concept of that. You Most would guys be would one. be like, forget
1: it, man. Exactly, like- <laughs> and
0: that's exactly what happened with, with Anna, with one of the guys that came for her before she got married to Jack, um, is that didn't really want anything to do with it. And he was the guy. He's going to be the driving force. So Rachel could submit herself to you and to your leading and, and your family had a great um, approach to it. But if you were the guy that was ignorant of it, um, I, you're the one leading the relationship. So I think it's just impractical from that point of view. Jack, what, what else would you say is maybe a problem with courtship?
2: The emphasis on marriage is, is a good one. Um, it's something, though, that like makes the stakes you know 0 to 100 on day 1 sometimes uh and so there's this this pressure to get it immediately right uh you know like it makes it very awkward to kind of have that male female friendship you know because it's like well i might be trying to marry you so like well there's there's a process here you know and so i think sometimes you know the the marriage uh focus of this whole thing is good but on the other hand like you're always only looking at people as as you know a, suitor for marriage, and and so you've got to get this right, the conversation has to be right, The you know, every step. You kind of
1: skip the getting to know each other phase, I guess, is kind of what you're going for. Right, and
2: and I mean, that is kind of a thing of, like, where those serious conversations you talked about having, how many kids do you want to have, how many, like, that is a weird conversation to have with someone you don't know that well, but you also, because you don't want to invest and become too emotionally involved, you, like, you want to have those big conversations and get them out of the way before I, like, really, you know click with this person. It, it, it makes things very weird and backwards, I think, sometimes. And so there's that. Um, I think there's problems for the male suitors and for the female suites. Suities. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's right. <laughs> the one being pursued. Um, uh, but I, I think we'll get to that last here in this, this problems with courtship. You guys had a couple others maybe before we get to that?
0: Yeah, I would also say Will and I have talked about this off-air, how emotional attachment is inevitable, and I think I alluded to this a little bit uh, before, with the intention of marriage and and the no no emotional attachment pre-engagement, and some of those are they are hallmarks of courtship. But I think that falls apart in that emotional attachment, especially the more you talk on a logical level, the progression I think the the way God defined it, or or the way that He designed it, I should say, is. The more you talk and the more you connect on a logical level, the more emotionally involved you will be. Emotional attachment is inevitable in my opinion and depends on how long the courtship is. If the courtship is 14 months long before engagement, are you telling me for 14 months you're not you're going gonna to be, You're going to stay completely right. Yeah. yeah, like your emotional attachment will grow and I think that's part of as we get into the hybrid and what we would do and what we would change, that is one of the things I would change is the length of times and understanding the phases. I would go less off of a length of time thing and more of the phases of where you're at in that because the emotional attachment, when you start becoming emotionally attached is a time where if the logic is checked out and assuming you didn't become emotionally attached in two weeks, um, maybe that's where you start looking for engagement and then sure. you know, in the engagement, you can go from there. But I think it's just inevitable. And the other thing I would say, and then we'll I'll pass it back to you. Another problem I have, we, I got a lot of problems with courtship. Hang on, like, hang on. Let,
1: let me take the next one, Joe, and then sure, I'm going to sure. let you comment on it and then dovetail into the last <laughs> okay. one that we've got okay. on our list here. Yeah, cause um, I, yeah yep, yep. One, of the, one of the problems with courtship is that far too often the entire objective, the entire goal can simply become make sure you don't sleep with the other person. Make sure that they stay pure when they get to the to the marriage altar. Don't get me wrong. That is a a goal that every Christian young person needs to pursue. But when we're talking about this this whole idea of courtship and and getting two people together to be married, the entire objective should not be, well, just make sure they don't sleep together first. If that's the entire objective, they will have numerous problems within their marriage. The goal of courtship and the goal, and again, call it whatever you want, the goal of, of getting two young people to the marriage altar together. To it, The goal should be to have them live a healthy, happy, God-honoring marriage together, helping each other get to heaven that lasts for 80 years. That should be the goal. And the problem with courtship is that so often that can get lost in it. It can become all about, well, just make sure that they don't sleep together, make sure they stay pure, and, and make sure they don't get emotionally attached, and all these things. And and again, this, this main goal, the main objective, which should be to get them to To live in a healthy happy God honoring marriage for 80 years. It gets lost in the shuffle somehow It gets lost in it when that should be the ultimate goal And so Joe, I'll let you comment on that and then you can get into our kind of our last big problem with it
0: Sure, I I think anytime you're running from something. I've mentioned this multiple times Beating a dead horse on these podcasts, but it's always better to run towards something than run away from something and when you're running away from sexual contact like that's the only thing that matters you are missing out on good communication. You're missing out on um, what creates, and I would say dating or courtship. The purpose is to have a very fantastic relationship, and how would we best do that? We'll get into that in just a second, but here's the last problem I have with courtship, and the reason I was chuckling is people are going to think that I hate girls, uh, that, that I'm a misogynist.
1: Hot takes with Joe time. Yeah,
0: here we go. Um, people are going to think that I'm very mean because of some of my comments, even on, I think, the last podcast or the one before, I have a real problem with the princess complex. That's what I call it. That's the idea of winning the girl, and you have a lot of young girls, especially in the homeschool world, but a lot of young girls who think that they are the catch. They are the, um, the- They're the prize. Person. They're the prize. They're the princess. They're the ones that, the, you know, this guy needs to prove to me that he is the knight in shining armor. And until he does, you, he doesn't get anywhere close to my tower. And you know, I'm in a princess that he has no idea how good I would be for him. Like pump the brakes. Hold on a second. There are a lot of good guys in the world who maybe haven't put on all the armor for the knight in shining armor, but they've got a lot of great qualities. Um, they're, they're growing, they're learning, they're willing to change and adapt and to be somebody better, and they're growing in these aspects, but the woman looks at him and goes, yeah, but he doesn't meet my qualifications. Eh, wrong. Move on to the next guy. Oh, yeah, he doesn't meet my list. Well, yeah, he's a good guy, nice guy, kind heart, but he doesn't meet the uh, 30 things on my list. And so what that does is it encourages our young girls to make these ridiculously long lists and to think that they are the prize that if the guy gets that list, it's like, what about his list? Do you meet everything on his list? People who have these 30, 30 plus long or 20 plus long, I would even say 15 plus long things on their list, in my opinion, don't end up happily married all that much because you don't know what you fully want. And more importantly, you don't know what you need in marriage when you're putting this list together at 15, 16 years old. These are all idealistic I things. I would say
1: it furthers the selfishness point that we started with. Yes, what, what can he do for me?
0: Right. And I have, I'm, I'm the catch. I'm the princess. He needs to prove that he's good enough to get me what are we teaching our girls when we buy into this? Yes. Having the girl's heart be pure is absolutely the point of courtship. And the dad does need to, you know, to hold the heart back. I don't disagree with that at all. I do disagree with the guys. It, it gives into some of the things that we have harped on here before. Of, I'm just lucky to have my wife, boy, she is so much better than me. And yeah, I'm just lucky that she chose me or that she allowed me to, to come into her life. Like that's not the way it should be. You're lucky to have one another. You guys deserve one another. Uh, and, and you ought to be in this situation equals going in where she's lucky to have you too. And maybe she doesn't meet all the things on your list, but you know what? She's a kind, good-hearted Christian girl who is pursuing godliness and holiness and, and pursuing to be the best wife that she can be. Does she tick off every single box? Maybe not. But I get so tired of the princess complex of these girls that are that think that they just hung the moon and these guys need to do the same in order to come anywhere close to talking with them, get off your high horse for a second and recognize you've got some things you need to work on as well. And to the guys, these guys, there's a lot of guys I'll I'll hit on this as well. And then I'll, I'll get off my soapbox here. There's a lot of guys who have no job. They're bouncing from job to job from Arby's to Wendy's to to Chick-fil-A to McDonald's. And they think, well, I'm, I'm ready for a girl. And not only am I ready for a girl, I deserve to be able to go out and get the best girl possible. Excuse me, excuse me. What, what in the world causes you to think that you are ready for marriage, to jump into dating, to jump into courtship, to think that you're somebody that is ready to be the prophet and priest and protector and and provider for this woman that you're, you know, you're coming to to court or to date? You need to get your own life together first before you can think about going after somebody else. But in the in the courtship world, you either have the guys that and this is a broad brush, I realize, but you either have the princess complex or you have the guys who are absolute bums but still think that they deserve a girl because it's their God-given right to get a girl. And they get bitter when a girl decides to turn them down. So you have both ends of the pendulum there. We have to find the balance. And sometimes it's tough in courtship.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you touched on the guy part because that's the part I wanted to get to as well was the... You know, I mentioned before, it's about a father handing over leadership of the daughter's soul to this young man or man, you know, however old he may be. Um But so much of this process really emasculates the guy as approaching, of you know, just always kind of asking for permission, and always, and you do need to get permission. But on the other hand, it should be a a handing off of authority rather than ah, uh, you know, well, yeah, sure, you know, like we'll we'll allow that, we'll go along with that, and so so many times the guy comes into this, as you said, well, I'm getting the prize, I'm, you know, getting, I'm I'm the lucky one here, and, and you know, kind of just really kowtowing the whole way along, and it doesn't really lead for a, you know, driven young man, in fact, it, it can kind of push away driven young men who are, you know, interested in, and even men of virtue, men who aren't, you know, trying to um, you know, just play the field or whatever else, but, like, who are, are just kind of told, well, wait in line, wait in line, wait in line. We'll, we'll let you know, you know, what you're allowed and when kind of thing. Um, You know, like, there's the biblical standards for this that we need to follow, and beyond that, like, you can really kind of hamstring the guy, and then you come into that relationship of, well, he's, he's kind of been behind the eight ball the whole time, and now he's just supposed to take over when he's been told this whole time, sure. just do what you're told. And so, I mean, I, there's there's problems for the men, there's problems for the women coming into this. And so, I'm glad we're having this conversation because this is one of those pendulum things. Of things weren't in a great place with the yep. date anybody, everybody all the time, and you know the sexual license was was um, definitely more than uh, you know, society has grown out of control. But even you know, Christianity statistics were not very good on that. And so there was this swing back the other way, starting with um, uh, he's he's an apostate now, but uh, Josh Harris with the I Kiss Dating Goodbye thing, and Purity Culture that so many people have complaints about, and we're going to do a deeper dive on that some other time, but, you know, uh, the I Kiss Dating Goodbye book was that, hey, maybe this isn't a great idea to just go sell yourself to 20 people before you go get married, and so that was a good thing, but then you had the overcorrection of kind of this, as you guys have said, idealized version of male-female relationships, kind of run by maybe helicopter over-involved parents to a degree, you know, parents who, who wanted full control over the that's whole thing. That's a great thing. way to
1: put it. Rather than... And not just that, but parents that are conveniently already past that phase of life and so they can kind of set the expectation. Well, this is how we think it should be. And it's like, well, that's not how it was for you. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah.
2: Yeah, and it, it's, it's a passing of the baton in which you put the baton in the other person's hand and then keep running behind them with your hand on it too. Like... <laughs> that's, no, that's, that's a that's great, a great illustri- way to you put it. You need to pass yeah. the baton. And so, I'm, you know, what we're doing here is trying to figure out what were the good things that came out of that pendulum swing and what were the overcorrections and how do we kind of meet this happy medium so uh let's get into this this hybrid idea i guess you guys have have brought into this um of uh, what christian families parents you know young people but also christian singles today what what are what are the takeaways i guess because i do feel bad we've kind of dunked on on dating we've dunked on courtship (laughs)
0: people are like Okay. So what do we do? do, do? do, do? Arranged yeah, marriage. The there we go. Just yeah, there you go. Call Arrange somebody mar- hey, up. There's a lot of happy well, arranged marriages in Oh boy, India. Talk about a hot take. Last man. week you said get rid of the
1: dishwasher. Now we're doing arranged marriages. <laughs> 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 yeah,
0: that's a real hot take. All, all the women are, yeah, LL Cool Joe. Um, no, la- but... Ladies I, love... Anyway. <laughs> I was just... Getting, oh, boy. Oh, man. Sorry. We wanted to get into a hybrid because we do want to present what we would consider to be
1: an alternative. I'm gonna tell my my side real quick. Well, yeah, real quick, yeah, to it. set this up, the way we wanna do it is once again, I kinda of preface it earlier, this is what we plan to do with our kids, and again, you can take that for what it's worth. If you're, I don't think you'd be listening if you think we're a bunch of knuckleheads. But let's say you do, you can you can take this and, and just throw it in the garbage. But again, we've all been on on one side of this. We we did a version of this with our spouse. We've seen what went right. We've seen what went wrong. We've also seen a lot of other people that have done the dating thing and that have done the courtship thing. And so we feel as though we have a lot of we we've seen a lot of, of what it has to offer and what we think what are, what are the best parts of both. And so, again, just to preface that, we're, we're all going to kind of go through and talk about what we're going to do different. So, Joe, just to preface that, sorry to interrupt.
0: Sure, sure. No, you're good. Um, and this is coming from a lot of uh, personal experience. And Like Will said, are we young? Yes. Do our kids have a long way before they're into this? Yes. But I hope that as you're listening, you're realizing, okay, dating is probably not healthy for my kid. Because I, I know we're speaking to people with kids that are either people that are currently in this, younger on the younger end, or those who have their kids in it. And I hope we're presenting to you why dating falls short and also why courtship falls short. It's not just a, hey, just go for it. Um, we have to present something. And, and what I would say, I did have the quote unquote, perfect courtship at the beginning where it starts and we're talking and, and we you know, had all the big conversations and it was, it was so great. And then Alyssa and I got very much into trouble. We got too emotionally attached. And then we, um, you know, we ended up having sex before marriage. And that went from what would consider be considered the perfect courtship that everybody would, that's what you'd want is, yeah, you meet on a mission trip and you're talking all the time, four or five hours a day. It's fantastic, and uh, you're getting to know each other. And out of this arises this strong emotional attachment that turns sexual because that's partly the progression of things that again, I think God designed. So in this hybrid, what I would do first and foremost is I would define, what you want out of the relationship first it is not a, what do you want out of the date what dating what are, what do you want out of the courtship? what do you want out of this relationship and i would ask the young kids if a girl is or if a guy is going to go after a girl i think he needs to sit down with his parents and i think he needs to explain why do you want this relationship if it's somebody to just hang out with hey dude like go go join a basketball league or something go get some guys go talk to the guys at church Hang out with them. Go to the movies with them. Build some really strong guys. Loneliness should not be the motivation Loneliness is what you're saying. Can, exactly. Yeah. can't be the motivation um, because I think, look, you can still be lonely in marriage. There's a lot of people that that speaks to. So it can't just be motivated by that. And if you get into the relationship and he doesn't really know, then maybe he's not ready for a relationship. But if he does have the right reasons, it can't be, as you're laying out the foundation and the idea for this, it can't just be to stay pure the goal of the relationship ought to be a long, healthy, happy, God honoring marriage. What would I do if I was looking for that? And if you're running from what you're not supposed to do, you'll never run to what you are supposed to do. And so if you have an idea and I I do premarital counseling, I ask all my people, you know, all the couples, um, what is the purpose of marriage? Why are you getting married? And what's the purpose? I rarely hear answers that, that I would consider to be like spot on. Matter of fact, shout out Joey and Jess, um, that uh, Joey's good buddy, that I ended up preaching their wedding and they had probably one of the best answers that I've ever heard um, on it. It doesn't happen very often. It does not happen where you're bringing God into it. And this is amongst a lot of Christian young couples. They don't know why they're getting married. And if they don't know why they're, that's the case, no wonder why they flounder so much in the relationship and there's sexual temptation and impurity and everything else. They don't know what they're pursuing. So, That's the first thing that I would say is in developing this hybrid, I would sit down with both of them as they get in the relationship and say, what are you looking for out of this relationship? And if the answer doesn't include something along a long, healthy, happy, God-honoring marriage, why are you in this relationship? Does that make sense? Maybe I'm off on the initial Yeah, I think that totally makes sense. Yeah. The second thing, and then I'm going to switch to you guys, is if you were to do that, if you were to follow this through, I would emphasize better communication that your communication is rock solid. This is something that Alyssa and I, I think, had because we talked so much, it was a long distance relationship. So all we had was to talk, and we developed really good communication patterns, and we talked hours every single day, you know, and and I never get tired of that. However, the second part of it, of staying pure, we clearly did not. And when you think about, as as a God-honoring marriage, we didn't bring God into it, and I wasn't fully, I didn't know how difficult it was to stay pure. That's something that a lot of Christian parents need to remind their kids of. This is a very real temptation and it's not bad to have feelings for the other person. It's bad to act on it. It's the same way it's not bad to be angry. It's bad to act on your your anger and to not take care of your anger. Well, when you are being inundated with this, man, I really want to go far with them. I really wanna kiss them. I really wanna do these, maybe you know the the things that might lead toward serious temptation, you need to check that. You need to understand why that's the case. And then I would start basing your parameter, your relationship, and kind of again, looking toward engagement and looking toward marriage based on how far you are into that. If you kept yourself pure, but you're finding it, you're four, five, six, seven months into the relationship and you're finding it a lot harder, maybe that's where you need to start looking for engagement because you're showing that the progression of me being intimate on these levels, the spiritual and and the emotional and the intellectual intimacy, as you start to grow those, physical intimacy will absolutely happen out of that. So we don't wanna tempt ourselves, and I'm not a big fan of these 12, 14 month engagements because we can get the venue right or whatever else. Man, that opens your way toward temptation so much. So I know I'm going off on a few things, but I would say better communication, staying pure, and a better relationship with your in-laws and parents should be hallmarks of a hybrid
1: of dating and courtship, in my opinion, Jack did. Uh, did he leave us any content to go over, or did he just pretty much cover all of it? Yeah, that's it for this <laughs> week. Uh, Thanks. You, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you may disagree
0: on some of those. I'm things. just I'm- kidding.
1: No, let me. Uh, I'll, I'll go, and then I'm going to let Jack. I guess kind of wrap us up here. Um, one of the things my parents did really, really well. They did a lot of things really well. Um, but one of the things they did is they were talking to us, my three, and my three, me and my three siblings about marriage and kind of what we need to be looking for and what that process was going to look like. They were talking to us about that before we even hit double digits, right? Eight, nine, you know, that's kind of when they started. And so that's one of the things that I certainly plan to do with Jackson is, basically, I'm not going to wait until he hits 15 and 16 and say, all right, son, so this is how we're going to do our relationships. You wait that long and the, the culture will have already shaped, you know, your young person's view of, of how you find a spouse. Dating is such a standard practice that if you just kind of don't talk to your kids about what you plan to do until they hit dating age, probably you probably set yourself up for a quite a hurdle there and so that's one of the things that I plan to do with Jackson is is talk to him about okay look this is the this is the plan and this is kind of you know give him guidance and kind of ease them into it as far as, as as far as the methods I guess that we plan to use um, but as far as this kind of hybrid view I'm going to speak to something I don't I don't think Joe touched on and that is again I don't have a daughter yet I just have Jackson um, just have a son so I'm only going to be speaking to the son's perspective I'm going to Teach and train Jackson to not make the spouse, his, not make his wife the only objective that he has in life, mm, if that, that makes sense. I, I think so many young men, and this, shout out to the gym podcast, the Godly Young Men podcast, this is one of the things we're certainly going to hit on with this podcast, Joe and I, is that so many young men graduate high school and they're, and they, and they're getting into, okay, what am I going to do next? And they make getting married and finding a girl... They're basically their only objective in life. Career, kind of optional. Personal growth, kind of optional. Striving for something, yeah, kind of optional. Striving for a, a, a great relationship with God, kind of optional. But man, I've got to get that girl. I've got to get that wife. And so it becomes the ultimate objective. As crazy as it may sound, that's I'm not I'm going to try, do my best to mold Jackson, to teach Jackson to not do that. To, to strive for his own personal growth, to strive for an amazing relationship with God, to strive for all these things, to chase these things alongside finding a spouse. If that may, am I making sense because again, I think too many times young men can can make their wife the ultimate objective, well then they get their wife and then what are they what do they pursue? What do they chase? What do they strive for? The answer is nothing because they pushed everything aside. And so that would be the first thing is that I would I would train him look, and this speaks to Jack's point about the young men that are actually chasing and striving, that's what he needs to be doing. You know, when he, when he's in high school and when he's trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life, don't make the, the woman the ultimate objective. As far as the, the physical things we've talked about, the benchmarks of courtship, I do think the chaperones and the basically completely limit them being alone together. I do think that's wise. I think no matter how rock solid you may think your ability to remain pure is and your ability to abstain from sexual temptation is, especially if they're teenagers, early 20s. I don't think that that's wise to test that. Can you go to a restaurant by yourself with maybe other people at a different table? Sure. Um, are there certain, you, know, can you can you be in one room together with, with your family in the adjoining room eating? Sure. Things like that, you can have workarounds. But as far as opportunities where you are alone together for long amounts of time, I don't think that's wise. So as far as the physical things with Corsair that we talked about, that's one that I plan on implementing for sure. Um, And again, just finally, just parental involvement. I don't want Jackson and, again, any other future kids we might have to think that we're dictators and that we're going to pick their spouse and that we're going to be helicopter parents or anything like that. But we desperately want our kids, Rachel and I, we want our kids to know we want to be involved in this decision because it's, to put it, to be frank, it's a decision that can affect their soul. And it's it's a decision that often does impact people's souls. If they choose the wrong person and they get in a relationship where Uh, You know, the person is unfaithful to them. The person has a pornography problem. The person does all these things. The person, you know, you fill in the blank. You've heard the stories, I'm sure. I want my son's and and future children's soul in heaven. And this decision is one of the biggest factors into that. And so we want to help with that. So that might be very generic, but those are kind of the things I wanted to cover that Joe did not. Jack, what do you have to add as far as kind of what you plan to do, this kind of hybrid view?
2: I'm real fuzzy on what I plan to do, and that's one of those I'm just going to be real thankful I have about 15 years minimum before I have to make decisions. Um, I think some of what you guys said, I agree, you know, there's wisdom in in maintaining boundaries, there's wisdom in in emphasizing the important things. I think one of the things you have to be careful with, and I I think was one of the parts of the overcorrection, was the idea that there is a formula to guarantee a perfect marriage. Uh, Great point, yep. That, you know, follow steps one through seven, and by the if you do that, you're going to get to, you know, the, the altar pure, and you're going to launch a perfect marriage where there's never any disagreement and everyone's on the same page. No. However, the people sometimes who make that criticism also should concede, it matters what we do. And the goal is to be holy. The goal is to be honoring to our Lord and Savior Christ. He's, our, he's the king of everything, and so we want to do what he would want us to do. And there's not a direct command on some of these things. Some of these things, there are commands that we need to follow, and there's scriptural principles. The involvement of the Father, I think, is one that is Old and New Testament, very heavily in there that we need to um, emphasize to the degree that we can wherever possible. But, you know, remember that our faith is in Him, and we're doing this because of Him. Our faith is not in a series of steps and principles, and and so not, not making that mistake. I think one of the other things is... I guess that we want to get to before we get out of here is the different phases in life. Um, for some people, this podcast—you might look at this and be like, "Oh, there's nothing in here for me." Okay, maybe there's valuable information you can pass on to somebody else. If you have kids, though, it's valuable to you. If you are single and looking, though, or if you are a young person yourself and working towards that—high school, college, you know, post college, or you know, into your early twenties. Whatever phase you're at, there's different applications of this. The first one I'm going to start with is if you're a parent with kids who are not anywhere near marriageable, number one, age, but number two, preparedness. You know, because somebody can be marriageable age, but not anywhere near prepared. So both qualifications strongly discourage and play a role in telling them this is not something for you. That, you know, you should treat, if you're a boy, you treat girls like your sister. If you're a girl, you treat them like a brother. That you, at 13 years old, I mean, it just blows my mind seeing pictures on Facebook of people sending their 12-year-old daughter off to middle school prom with her boyfriend, and you're like, what are we doing here? Like, that, what are, you just start peeling back the layers what's the purpose of this whole thing, and man, it just, I don't get it, I don't get it, it doesn't make sense at all, and so teach your kids that, that, hey, those, these male-female relationships, they are a brother or a sister to you. They're a friend to you until you are ready to get serious, until you're at that point in life where, uh, where that's on your horizon. Um, if you are a young person still, you know, you know, college age, you're starting out your working career and, and living at home, but you're getting to the point where you could be viable on your own, you know, like it's not the uh, live in your parents' basement with your spouse your entire life, but where you could you're re- really ready to launch out? Okay, then it's a different set of principles for you. You do need to be taking control of of your own pro- part of this process and not just relying on your parents for this whole thing. And so, I don't want to do this this whole spiel of different phases in life. What would you guys add? And, and as we go on into those that are older singles, thirties, forties, I mean, um, you know, in fact, I do want to uh, put a reminder out. We did a Christian Singles episode with Carrie Gillis last summer. Scroll back; it's in the feed uh, a few months back. Uh, really insightful stuff there, specifically for those in singles, past college age—you know, twenties, thirties, forties, whatever it may be. So look at that. But what would you guys add to the application part for different phases of life?
0: I love how Jack covers the the first two, which are the easiest, and then it's like, "Well, for the thirty and forty-year-olds, uh, guys, guys, right? What would you
1: say? <laughs> Y'all step in.
0: <laughs> yeah <You> made <laughs> me talk
2: last, so I got to do what I wanted. So that's a good point.
0: That's a good point." That is the hardest one. Is that for the thirty and forty year olds? I do think intention is the key. Jack, you you touched on that perfectly. Like, and we've been talking about that uh, about that specific thing. This entire podcast is be intentional in it. And for a thirty or forty year old, you may just be looking for companionship. You may just be looking to have a good time. Whatever it is, you have somebody's heart. We have to remember that you have somebody's heart in your hands. When they choose to give you some of that, please don't you know take that as the the blessing. Um, and the gift that it is, but also the serious responsibility that that is. So if you're 30 or 40 years old and you're, you know, you're in the dating scene, just remember that these people are still people that no matter how callous they are, still you have a responsibility to treat them well, to treat them right,
2: and to keep yourself pure in that. Joe, you're going to know what I'm talking about. We knew this guy, real nice guy, Christian man, and this woman went out with him. I mean, regularly they'd go out to dinner, you know, movies, whatever, for two, three years, right? She let him just pay for dinner after dinner, movie after movie, you know, sporting event, whatever they were going to go do together. He would pay her way and just, yeah, well, what are we? Is, you know, are we going to get serious? Are we going to, you know, how interested are you? Oh, I'm not. I'm just having a good time. Like, okay, tell him wow. that. On my dime. <laughs> tell him that wow, up front, really? number one. Number two, you start paying for stuff. Like, why on earth are you letting a man who you have no interest in being your husband Pay your way all over town. And so, like, that's an example of the kind of thing you're talking about of like, just be real about it, be upfront. And, and if she comes to him on the first time, is like, you know what, I'd love to go to dinner, hang out, go do fun stuff, go to the movies with you, but it's not ever going to be anything more than that. He needs to accept that. And if he still wants to hang out, great. Then they've, as you said, they've been intentionally, been honest upfront with each other. But you definitely have to bring that element into it.
0: Yeah, I think developing the, the relationship, the friendship, is really important at any, at any stage. You want to marry your best friend, somebody you truly get along with. And as we talked about, one of the problems with courtship is just how serious everything is right off the bat. But at the same time, once again, it's a pendulum swing. Jack, to your point, it's a pendulum swing. If you get to 34 years old and it is just a, a good time and, and we're having friendship, let them know that. That's okay. We want to be friends. But if there's nothing there somebody's heart is on the line. I think that's really important to remember at any stage in life, especially as you get older it can be very easy to grow callous on
1: it. Will anything else you'd add to that? Not really. I think this is a very cheesy way to end it, but I, I think the point with all this is we got to think deeper about these things is that, you know, again, dating has been the standard of practice for not just teenagers, but uh, you all said it, for 20, 30, 40-year-old people who Again, it's just the mindset of not taking it seriously is something that we want to avoid. We don't want our young people, we don't want our older people to look at this process of finding someone that you're going to spend the rest of your life with, finding somebody who you are, they're going to be probably the number one uh, influencer in whether or not you get to heaven or not. You don't want to take that lightly. You don't want to treat that cavalierly and say, well, let's just go have fun together and kind of figure it out. That's not ideal. And so again, whether you're a parent listening to this with kids Who's trying to figure out what you want to do? Whether you're a young person yourself who's trying to figure out how you're going to find somebody, or whether you are just somebody who's listening to this, going, "Yeah, I, I, I'm just kind of curious about uh, the the different styles and, and courtship versus dating." This is this is the point where we just want we're encouraging people to think deeper about it and to and to consider. What are the consequences and what are the implications of choosing to put ourselves in sexually tempting situations and, and to maybe rush through relationships without really determining what the person is like? Because, again, we see a lot of unhealthy marriages in the church, we see a lot of unhappy marriages in the church. And so it's, it's way past time for us to kind of reexamine traditional standard practices as far as, OK, well, what's gotten what's gotten us to this point? And so that, that's what we, that's kind of the main thing that we wanted to do with this episode.
0: That's right. Open-mindedness, open intentionality, and I would say grace for those who have gotten it wrong. As I mentioned with with us getting it wrong and what Alyssa and I did, there's grace for that. There's, there's grace if you've messed this up, but if you do know better, if you can do better, do better, right? That's the intentionality and that's the open-mindedness is just question standard practices. That's what we're all
2: about, thinking deeper. Will, I think that's a great point. Jack, anything else you did? Uh, no, I, I think that's a good place for us to wrap here. Um, you know, this is one of those you might have looked at the title, and hopefully somebody you know listened through. But this is relevant to more people than you think. When you guys first talked about, "Well, we'll do this," I'm like, "Well, that's only relevant to single people, 18 to 25, or whatever." No, it's really not, because we've got single people of all ages in the church. Um, even those widowed who are looking to you know to get back out and find somebody. You know, I mean, just those situations. But you know, somebody might say, "I'm married." Well, you got kids, or if you got if you have kids coming, you're raising kids into this, like societally, culturally, as a church, we need to be rethinking these things so so we can improve, do better, pass things on to the next generation, maybe avoid some mistakes and pitfalls. And so uh, remember, Engage is uh, on sale. I think it's $5 off on the Focus Press website this week. Go check that out. That's kind of, uh, as far as I know, kind of the definitive work on courtship in the church right now. Uh, Dr. Brad Harab, Rob Whitaker. uh, And so... Uh, I think there's some stuff in there you guys might have disagreed with on this one, uh, just at least to a degree, but uh, that's what makes it interesting. It's just there's a lot to think about here.
1: That book is is definitely more on the traditional side and and kind of, again, pursues the idealistic. But, again, it it clearly lays out all the problems with dating and and why that's such a bad thing. Yeah, it's a great read.
2: It gives you a framework for for thinking through the whole thing. And so uh, be sure to check that out. Oh, and for our still yet-to-be-named question of the week... Uh, again, send us a name if you got a, a, a title for this segment. We're still workshopping that a little bit. But our question to you this week, again, YouTube, Facebook, hit us up with your answer. For those who are married and, and have passed this point in life, uh, what is one piece of advice you would give to yourself if you had to do it all over again? If you could tell your younger self going into seeking a mate, um, dating, courtship, whatever it was that you did, What is one piece of advice, something you wish you had known that you now know and that you would pass on? And we will talk to you guys next week.